0: Hi, this is Janet Lansbury. Welcome to Unruffled. In this episode, I'm going to be responding to a parent who says she's desperate for help because her two-and-a-half-year-old constantly demands her and her husband's attention. I hope I can share something to help this family and anyone else dealing with this very common issue. Okay, here's the note I received. Dear Janet... I'm so desperate for help that I decided to come straight to you, hoping you can offer some advice. My almost two-and-a-half-year-old demands constant attention, and if someone, mainly me, doesn't give it to him, he either throws a tantrum or does something he shouldn't be doing. So I inadvertently have to give him the attention. I've tried saying, I need to do X for five minutes, and then I will come play with you. And sometimes he'll last one or two minutes, but generally he's just right back under my feet straight away. And if I continue to stand my ground, he'll do something either dangerous or destructive, which will ultimately demand my attention. I'm feeling so frustrated because our whole world revolves around our only child. We spend the whole day, every day, entertaining him, calming his tantrums and intense emotions, and following him around, putting out fires and cleaning up messes. This is not okay anymore. My husband is a pilot, so he's home quite often, and we do employ a helper who helps us with household chores and child watching. And up until recently, I've been a stay-home mom. So as you can see, there's usually always someone who can be with him, giving him constant attention, but it's getting out of hand. My husband and I can't even embrace or have a conversation without him climbing in between us or interrupting us with loud shouting. He's a very intense, persistent, strong-willed, sensitive child who needs better parenting to be all he can be. What changes can I make that will have a lasting and calming effect on our home and family about to combust? Yes, so this sounds very challenging and energy-draining for these parents. The solution is actually, in a way, simple, which doesn't necessarily mean easy. As always, it's about our perspective. So understanding that our children can and will demand of us. And it's really up to us whether we feel captive to those demands or not. So the key here is to help our child feel more comfortable in his place in the household. This boy sounds like an effervescent little character, but he's a little character. He's two and a half. And it can't feel comfortable for him to have all this power to disrupt everyone and lead everyone around and boss them around and bother everybody. So we want to try not to give his behavior that kind of power. Because along with that power comes all this responsibility on our part, right? This parent says, putting out fires, cleaning up messes, calming his tantrums and emotions. That's a lot of work. And it's work that really doesn't belong to us. That's what I want to help this family and others dealing with this kind of issue understand. For example, this mother says that she's trying to calm his tantrums and intense emotions. Now, that always stands out for me when I hear something like that, because when a parent states that their approach to tantrums is taking an active role that way, then I get the sense that they're wasting a lot of energy where it's not only not needed, but actually can get in the way. Because now when we do this, we're teaching our child that he can hold us captive to him and stop everything whenever he's upset, that we're on duty to do something about this. Now, of course, if our child is really hurt or really upset, we are going to try to stop and connect and say, wow, you didn't like that when I said no? about the play. Yeah, I hear you, you really wanted to do this and I didn't let you. But beyond that, we don't have to stop and wait and coax or fix or try to do something to calm our child. What helps them is for us to take a more passive role in their emotions, where we're accepting and just letting the feelings be. We're just letting the explosions happen around us. We're still holding our own center And we're not trying to do anything about it, put out these fires, except calming ourselves, reminding ourselves that we're safe and this is a safe situation for my child to be in. So I like to think of it as letting my shoulders drop, trying to relax, breathe, letting go of managing our loved one's feelings, which we will never control. We'll never be able to control another person's feelings. And if I have to do something else in that moment, you know, if I'm not available to stop and wait or or I don't want to, I keep with what I'm doing with full acceptance that my child is not happy with me right now. Oh, dear, you're so upset. And if he's reacted to something specific, then we acknowledge that. You didn't like when I did this. You didn't want me to say that. Just briefly... Or we're just nodding our head a bit and looking at him. Because actually when children are in the middle of a tantrum or screaming, it's best not to say anything because they really can't hear it. And if they see our mouth moving, feeling that energy from us that we want to calm them down, they might feel like we're trying to talk them out of it or explain our position again or somehow not accept because we're showing them that we aren't comfortable, we don't accept these feelings, that our child really just needs us to normalize so that these strong emotions that children feel, particularly in these toddler years, are normalized for them as well. So I would feel fine about saying, ah, you're really upset, you didn't like my decision here. Or I'd maybe just be looking at him and nodding my head. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And then continuing doing what you're doing in the kitchen or wherever it is with that kind of acceptance, with that door still wide open for him to vent those feelings. We're not gonna get in the way of that. If he's still screaming at us, every once in a while, we're gonna look over at him and nod our head, yeah, you're still upset, or whatever it is. And maybe if he's holding on to our legs, maybe we'll have to say, oh, wow, I have to walk over here, so I'm going to have to move your arms off my legs. And then I would do it calmly, you know, with as much loving confidence as possible and move over and say, yeah, it's really hard. You're having a hard time letting go of me right now. But inside me, I'm working on, I'm safe, feeling solid, I'm feeling accepting. I'm not getting sucked into this. I'm not letting myself get pulled by these demands and feelings because that's not helpful for us, and it's definitely not helpful for him if we do that. So in other words, right here is is where it sounds like the power is a little out of balance, because it's not only better for us to feel like we're the leaders in the house to own that role, it feels so much better to children, too. Children don't want to be these all-powerful, demanding characters that keep everybody jumping and get us frustrated with them. It happens, of course. That's normal. But it's a perspective worth working on because we're not really liking our children in moments like these. We feel like captives to this. And children feel that. They feel our dislike and maybe resentment. And those things would be natural for us to feel in that position. But those add to their discomfort and therefore their erratic behavior. What feels better to children is, if we're okay with them not liking us in these moments, we're still gonna try to like them because we see that they're little people acting out of discomfort, maybe caught up in a pattern with us. It's not thoughtful, intentional behavior. They don't mean it. Children's feelings are their feelings and they're not our responsibility to do anything about other than to accept. It might help us to imagine that there's this little bit of emotional separation between us. We're not ignoring them, but we're in a separate lane. I've used a lot of imagery personally, and I've shared a lot of it. One is that I pretend I'm this superhero in my mind, and I have this shield on. I used to imagine myself when my child was doing something upsetting or you know that they were demanding of me or something that felt like an uh-oh to me um, for myself, I'd imagine myself getting the shield, a superhero shield, and imagine, oh, the feelings can't penetrate me now. They can't make me feel terrible. It's not that I'm not present. I'm not ignoring my child. I'm just fortified. I'm still able to be open with this protection that I have. And... It would make me feel actually like I'm doing something pretty brave and positive in those moments, letting my child have their feelings, letting them have their scream therapy, letting them release fear or anger or sadness, helping them know that it's safe for them to do that because these towers in his life that he needs, his parents, we're not getting blown over by him. He's safe to share in our presence. So if we can be even a little more okay with a child feeling whatever they feel, that's going to free them up a lot. So in the case of this child, he's kind of pushing and pushing everywhere to find the leaders there. Instead, he's getting, and I understand how easy it is to get caught up in that, but he's getting discomfort from his leaders who maybe feel like, "Mm, their job was to keep him happy and calm him down and comfort him and make everything okay. And of course, that's going to be a recipe for our frustration, for sure. So I would be okay with this little child yelling and yelling at you when you're trying to embrace. You hear he's not pleased, but you're still going to embrace. And you can look down after and say, wow, you're really trying to interrupt this. I see that. But don't let it happen. Rise tall. Take your role in this house as leaders. Child will be much happier. He won't be such a whirling dervish if you do that because he's looking for those leaders, those anchors. The sooner you can jump into that role with confidence, the sooner he'll start doing this less, and then eventually not much at all, except maybe when he's very stressed or it's at the end of a long day or he hasn't seen you. Maybe maybe he's been with the helper and, and then he's transitioning back to you There are going to be times like these when children's feelings are more out of control and they'll get caught up in all these impulsive type behaviors. But it happens less if the balance of power in the house is where it belongs for our child to feel comfortable and safe. So let's go over some of the specifics that this mother shared. When he's playing, the parent says she tells him, I need to do X for five minutes and then I will come play with you. And sometimes he'll last one or two minutes, but generally he's just right back under my feet straight away. So it seems like maybe he needs you to be more secure in your role that, first of all, you don't mind if he's trying to interrupt you. You're still going to continue whatever you're doing as best you can. And then, oops, you see him going off doing some funny stuff that he knows he's not supposed to do. I would try not to run over there in a panic because that gives it power. And we don't want to give him this feeling that he's disrupting us and that it's so easy for him to do that right now. That he holds all this power to immediately get us jumping. So gauge the urgency. If it's just a minor thing or it's not a very urgent danger thing, We might let it go for a minute or two so that we can finish this little moment of what we were doing. In other words, not letting ourselves get interrupted by a demand. Then we'd go over, maybe like, oh, hmm, you're doing that thing over there. Okay, I'm going to stop you. Yeah, I know. You weren't happy that I said no to playing with you. Holding your own, taking your time, not rushing unless it's a big emergency and he's got something really dangerous going on. Maybe this is a little bit a little bit of acting here, although I really like to think of this more as a perspective shift, inching our way there until we get comfortable in this role. Because, you know, you do have the power in this relationship. You're just not using it. And it may be that this parent's afraid of using it because she's maybe going to feel like she gets too strict. But actually, we have the best chance of being these calm, confident, gentle leaders if, you know, we're coming from a place of power and strength. That's when we don't have to shout, stop, what are you doing? Strength and power is when we can be quieter and we can say, oh, wow, very interesting, huh? You're doing that again. Mm -hmm." Not making it exciting, not making it fun for him, because in truth, I sincerely doubt This is fun. Even if he's smiling, it's this uncomfortable, unsure smile that a child gets. It's not this kind of centered, happy feeling that we want him to have. And he will, once he's established that he has leaders in the house and that the leader isn't him, then he will calm down. So I would be really confident when you leave him and when you say, I've got to go do this for five minutes. Owning your personal boundaries in this manner. You deserve them. We all do. And they're good for him too. And then when you do play with him, don't let him treat you like a puppet there either. I don't know if that's happening in this case, but we can hold our place as the person that wants to enjoy his play and what he's doing and doesn't necessarily want to use up our energy playing along. There are so many benefits to this more passive yet still attentive way of quote, playing together, where we say, we'll stay right here, and we want to see your ideas, but we're not going to join in. And then we don't unwittingly take over his play with our powerful presence, because really what children want and need in play when we're available for it is undivided attention from us. Oftentimes they think the only way they can get that is to draw us in, because we've shown them that, maybe. But they don't need us to play with and create the ideas with them and do the actions with them. So if we can take an undemanding, you are enough, I'm just here giving you my full attention approach, it frees us to enjoy a lot more what our child's doing, learn from them, and it's incredibly validating for the child. It fills their true need for attention. I really understand how we can get caught up doing these other things or, you know, we think we should, even though we don't enjoy them. Some parents do, but a lot of them that I hear from, they don't. They don't want to play the way their child plays, but they feel they they should, they have to. Parents have shared stories with me where they're in the sandbox or at the beach and their child says, okay, dig this, make this, do it this way, and the parents doing it and doing it, and the child's sitting there not doing anything. It's easy to fall into that and lose perspective on what's happening there. And it's all based on a misunderstanding that I know I had before I became familiar with Magda Gerber's approach. I felt like, oh, I've got to show them that playing is fun. They're not going to think it's fun. And, you know, this is what playing with them is, and they need this. Well, Play is an innate drive the children have. They don't need us to show them it's fun. And it's much more validating for them if we just take a genuine interest in what they're doing, even if it's not much on the surface. We just like being with them, seeing their ideas, how they do things. We don't have an agenda and we don't have an expectation. And we're not going to be altering the direction of their play ever so subtly by playing with them. Which is what happens for us as adults because our ideas do take over, even with a strong child like this one. Another benefit of this more passive approach is that children get more of that self directed flow experience in their play when we're there. And so they don't have the same feeling that they need to always rely on us for play and for entertainment. They can easily take that into their own independent play. And regardless, We want to be really clear when we can't play and feel really good about separating from our children. There's no negative in that at all. It's not our job to be with our child every moment of the day, to be at their disposal. So I would just limit yourself to being engaged with him and focused with him, sometimes in these play periods, and then when you have what Magda Gerber called the caregiving routines. That's when you're eating meals with him. Even when he's having a snack... You don't have to eat with him. But when he's eating, take a break from what you're doing. Stop. Just be there. Be present. We don't have our phone there. We're just with him for these limited periods of the day. We take these moments whenever we can, and we won't always be able to, as prime time. And that's so that we know the truth, which is that we've connected with a child. And that can be enough during the day just to connect in caregiving times. That's enough for us not to have to doubt that our child isn't getting enough of our attention. So it's changing diapers, helping him to the bathroom, taking a bath, having dressing time together, and then a bedtime ritual and a predictable routine around these rituals versus playtime really helps, too, so he knows what to expect in his day. All those things will help children to be a little more able to release us at playtime. But we'll still need to be the confident leader when we separate and accept the children. Unfortunately, they're not going to say, okay, sure, go do it. And you know what? Take 10 minutes, take 15 minutes, enjoy it. Dad, enjoy it. Mom, just make a wonderful dinner for me and I'll be so happy playing here on my own. That's the fantasy that I know that I had. And it seldom or probably never happened in the early years with my three children. Okay, so what else do I want to touch in on here? Uh, The destructiveness. So give him as safe an environment as possible and as appropriate an environment as possible so that he's not able to get into your drawers or your makeup or whatever else it is that makes you feel like you have to rush to stop him. Keep certain doors latched up high. Minimize his access to unsafe things as much as possible so you're preventing it from happening. That's setting yourself up for success. And then when it does happen, expect it, because he's shown you that this is one of his tendencies. And then come in, la, la, la. Oh, I see something going on over there. Very chill, very unexciting. If you can do that a few times, then the behavior will lose its power. And it's the same when you're trying to talk to your husband. I mean, it's not going to work immediately, that now you're confidently talking and he's going to be quiet. He's going to yell and shout. We'll try that a few times, and you're not going to be able to talk to your husband or peacefully embrace with your husband at first, but what you're doing is working towards this overall message to him that his behavior doesn't get you riled up. It doesn't anger you when he's demanding and blustering. You see it as there's this little impatient person, and we're safe. You're just going to try to continue not ignoring him, not turning away, and not pretending you don't see him. You see him. Wow, you've got some strong feelings. You want to talk to us right this minute, and I'll be able to listen shortly. Then back to your husband. You're just carrying on so that he really gets this message that you are these towers of power, and as much as you adore him, or even better yet, because you adore him— you're not gonna let him get to you. People can only get to us if we let them, especially little people like this. It's really true. My children taught me this, and that helped me in every area of my life to have boundaries and to own my power in relationships. So it's a positive thing, and it will be very, very positive for this child. It will not wound his wonderful spirit, quite the opposite, it will actually free him, calm him. It will help him be more centered and more deeply happy and comfortable. So that's how to shift this. And again, he doesn't need constant attention. No child does. They need constant, safe leaders. So I hope this perspective helps. I've written quite a bit on this topic and you can read the articles on my website along with my book, No Bad Kids, Toddler Discipline Without Shame. This is available at Amazon in paperback, in audio at audible.com and also in ebook at Amazon, Barnes & Noble and apple.com and probably a lot of other places too. So, thank you for listening. I really hope this helps. We can do this.